Thanks for downloading this week's episode of Seen and Heard, available every Tuesday on iTunes. To listen and subscribe to this and other great province podcasts, search iTunes or simply visit theprovincepodcasts.com. Happy listening. This podcast is brought to you by The Province. This is Seen and Heard with Province music writer Stuart Dardane. Hello and welcome to another edition of Seen and Heard, the Province podcast with me, Stuart Dardane. And today I'm kind of, this is a giddy moment because I have someone whose career I've been following because he seems to be in all the shows that I watch as a true sci-fi uh, sci-fi and, and kind of action mystery geek. So uh, here we have uh, Tafmo Penikit. Uh, welcome, sir. To, Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome. And of course you're here because... Uh, we have a new show coming, which is which is interesting because the Rift World Chronicles is a web series, but it's a web series that's been picked up by CBC because they were, in fact, the people that approached me about this. And it's also, I, I, how does this work? I mean, you know, I, I associate you with major network shows and things of that nature, and and now this this all came about from a um, we were approached. Little over two years ago now, uh, about doing this project called the Portal, right? Which was the original name, and. Uh, my agent actually read the script and she said, listen, this thing's very quirky. It's different than anything you've ever done, but it's comedic and I think you would like it. This has been my agent, you know, since I started my career. So I, I trusted her and I read it. I felt the same way. I was like, this is, this is, this is fun. This is um, <clears throat> an interesting story about a, a wizard from a different dimension who ends up in, uh, in downtown Toronto in the middle of winter trying to find his way back home. He's ended up in the wrong place. I'd never done anything like that. So um, I heard from the producers. We were told that Aaron Carpluck was very interested. Aaron being a very old friend of mine. Okay. Was and uh, we actually went to acting school together in, uh, oh, right. in Gastown for a number of years at a school called uh, Lyric School mm-hmm. of Acting. Aaron and I have been on a number of different projects together, but we've never worked together. We've never shared a scene. Really? Because yeah. I thought you'd done Supernatural together, but I guess that was well, the same go. season, but not the same show. Yeah, right? not even. So, yeah, I think same season, but, yeah. you know, we just, we never shared a scene together. So for Aaron and I, uh, you know, we, we jumped at the opportunity. The thing is, they, they told each of us the same thing. They basically said to each of us that, you know, if you, Tom was going to do it, if you do it. And they told Aaron this, the exact same thing to me, right? And so they, 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 they kind of convinced us both that way. And uh, it was funny, three days into shooting the portal, we were, I remember Aaron asking me, she was like, so how do you know these guys? Like your old friends? And I was like, I don't know these guys. I thought, you know these guys. I have never met these guys before. Anyway, it was all meant to be. It was, uh, it was, uh, I'm happy that they convinced us to do it. And, um, and then there was a tremendous fan response. People saw the portal. It, uh, it was trending. It went viral, you know, and uh, pe- people were watching it, man. I think, uh, I think there's since been two million view- views or something yeah, it's, like that. It's, uh, it's, it's two million and uh, five sixty two nineteen or something. Okay, well like that's that. really it's, impressive. It's that's really impressive. Yeah. yeah, it's. So we since uh, we've since been able to come back. They were, there was a uh, uh, Jonathan Williams as, as uh, the the director and uh, creator of and the writer of the uh, the project. Um, Planned for subsequent seasons, and uh, they came back to us with eight webisodes. So, would you like to do it? For me, the way that we 
we wrapped up the portal, I wasn't quite sure how they were going to do that in an episode format, even in web series format. Right. So I was curious about it. But I had, I had my reservations. Erin read the script. She said it was amazing. I read it on a plane. I was laughing out loud. And uh, I think I was sold at that point. So we've since shot it, and uh, we're really excited to, uh, to get it out there. Now, I have to say, of course, you know, I'd seen the portal, I, I guess, more than a year ago now. I think it, it first turned up uh, Cleveland. It premiered at the Cleveland Film Festival or something in March 2014, I guess. But it had been online for a while before that. And, and by the time it came to me, it was already, um, you know, people had done things like taken your two characters and put them in front of every significant monument on Earth. And the, like, the websites, <laughs> there were Etsy, you know, bobblehead figures and all the rest. Of it. So it seemed as though, it, as you say, it acquired this life well outside. So... But the original 14-plus minutes, uh, it does sort of resolve itself in a way it could have just been that. Yeah, it um, definitely could have. But, but then, and so minor tweaks, uh, you know, Aaron's character is now a, uh, you know, a journalist instead of being a travel agent. Although I sort of like the travel agent hook, I have to admit, but, uh, but the journalist works too. Listen, the travel agent scenes in the, uh, in the original portal were, were fantastic, yeah. as was the chemistry between Aaron and the other actress that we had working with. Right. She was fantastic. She was, she was so good. Those scenes, those scenes really cracked me up. But it's uh, but it's really strong. I've watched the that they sent, sent the first three episodes over, and I've watched it, and it really does come together. It's uh, you know, um, it looks as though you're working with uh, a, a decent budget to do this sort of thing. I mean, it's probably nothing like the budgets you've worked for in show, like Dollhouse or something. But it's, yeah, it's sort of- I mean, you know, I've obviously been spoiled in my career, and, and you know, th- there's something to be said about doing smaller projects. Um, you know, I came from Canadian television in, in the beginning. Um, you know, and I've worked on shows, for instance, Cold Squad, where we had a relatively conservative budget and there you're working different muscle when you when you have projects when you work on projects like that and uh you have to be quick you have to trust in right. your choices you've only got so many takes this show doesn't look like it's working with a tiny budget though i think they did a fantastic job with the post-production and um you know the the our dop was excellent the the lighting everything about it, it re- looks really really well done it looks right. like you know th- there were no um it, it doesn't look like, you know, we, we, we were saving money. And, and uh, I, I think uh, I was just talking to a reporter uh, about a half hour ago, and she was mentioning that she was going to decide in the first 30 seconds whether, whether she was going to be sold on the show or not, or actually try and watch the rest. And she said she was sold right away when uh, Aller arrives, you know, from the different dimension. And I think right there that shows, you know, the, the quality of our post-production. The CGI in that opening scene is just it's fantastic. It's really solid. It's true. Yeah. And of course, this is your character, the, the, the wizard who gets jammed by, uh, you know, you don't, you don't get three bars on your uh, magical cell phone and wind up getting jammed in the middle of Toronto instead. Yeah. And it's, no, did I get this? It's Aller of Kerkala. Is that right? Or Kerkalath? Or- <laughs> um, if I remember how to say it correctly, Kerkala. Uh, Pente. Kerkala. Pente. Okay. I think. I think that might be it. <laughs> nice. Jonathan, Jonathan was correcting me a couple times on the day. Kasi Pente. Kasi Pente. And uh, and of course, you just sort of parade around in your in your wonderful uh, singlet and uh, cape, and uh, yeah. with you know some nifty things, uh, runes carved on your skin, and uh, and a the six foot four wizard wandering around the streets of Toronto and minus thirty below looks yeah. a little odd with no shirt on. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the humor is there right away, just with the costume and how to, how out of place Alar is in this new world. And uh, I think, you know, one thing that's really funny about playing this character is that it's obvious early on that Alar comes from a world where he has a lot of status. Mm. He's got magic. He's got martial ability. Um, um, he is obviously a, a, a person of importance. Right. 
And he has a lot of confidence. And he expects a certain respect to be given to him, even though he's so out of sorts. He's polite, and yet, I mean, there's one classic scene. I don't know if you saw Did you see the coffee shop scene? I love the coffee shop <clears> scene. <throat> just for instance, I, I, I don't know if the camera caught it enough. Um, I just recently saw the uh, all eight episodes myself, but you know, just even when he puts his hand up for the for the lady to kiss, I I, I got such a kick out of that scene. She's <laughs> looking at his hand like, what are you doing? Exactly. He puts it up like the queen or something. And yeah. looking at him just like just like he is sort of you know, it's a cosplaying uh, a, a cosplayer at best or a street person with yeah. some eccentricities, you know, at at worst or something like that. But it, but it works. The thing yeah. is, okay, so you had a Kickstarter campaign. You made your budget 20 hours before it was going to end. And then at some point, CBC comes on board and picks it up for their, uh, you know, their punchline website and stuff, which obviously gives it you know, a great deal more exposure than it would get by itself. Or at least I'm sure they hope so. And I'm sure you hope so that that's, that's, that's how it works. But also, um, where does it develop from this? I mean, do you take a web series next? Does it go to TV? I mean, what, what, how do these things work? Because some of these series have been going for seasons. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 is, um, that remains to be seen. Hmm. I, think, I think the biggest thing with this is really to um, see the fan response again. Right. We've already had a tremendous fan response mentioning already, as you've already mentioned, the, 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 uh, the success of the Kickstarter campaign. The, I have to give them credit because there's a, there's a tremendous... Uh, uh, fan following of a Vancouver show, right? Supernatural. Yeah, absolutely. these fans are rabid. I've I've been in the genre business for a long time, and I don't. I'm not sure that I've ever experienced a fandom like them. They're incredibly loyal. They are insatiable. They will eat up and support anything any of the actors who've had a significant role on Supernatural have done, or future projects or other projects. Absolutely. And I've recently discovered this being being a part of the show and doing the arc that I did last season. And they're incredible, man. They're incredibly supportive, and they're part of the main reason you know Battlestar fans Dollhouse fans also but the Supernatural fans in particular because they're so numerous and they're from all over the planet they really really gave us the support with the uh, the Kickstarter compa- campaign and I've had the opportunity to travel with the Supernatural cast and do a uh, con a month through right. American cities right, in the last year and every single convention regardless of the city that we're at they they are asking about Riftworld or the portal originally right. every single time it was always numerous, you know, you, do, you go up and you do a, a, a panel for 40 minutes where you're answering questions. And I can't tell you how many times I get asked about the project. And it's flattering and it's cool to see. But um, I know the fans really want this. They've made it obvious that there's an audience for it and uh, they're excited to see this. And I just can't wait for us to get it out. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, whether, it's a, whether we can do a movie, whether we can do a miniseries or whatever it becomes. I know that Jonathan has planned... And apparently has written out numerous seasons. Um, you know whether we do that or not, we'll see. It's interesting because of, and, and it's, it's. I like what you're saying about superna- uh, supernatural, of course, because in some cases they brought people into the fold as well. Because um, the woman who plays Charlie Felicity, I always forget her last name, but uh, the redheaded woman, who, Felicia Day, Felicia Day, rather. Yeah, I mean, she, she, she's, she's, she's a massive net phenomenon herself before you could she was give ever her on the, the show you, know? you could give her credit for starting the the being and, having one of the most successful web series ever absolutely and she was doing that when we started when we did dollhouse and i remember joss bringing her on the show and right. he said listen this girl's got three million people watching her web series every week and at the time i was like what is a web series <laughs> do you know what i mean we were starting to experiment with it the year before in the last uh last uh season of of uh, Battlestar, right. I wasn't part of those web uh, those webisodes, but it was a new format at the time. Absolutely. Nobody was really doing it. Felicia jumped on it way back then, and since had you know she's had tremendous success. She's so incredibly bright and talented. So yeah, 
it's interesting to be a part of it this many years later. But I noticed that, that Supernatural got a huge spike when she came on as well because oh, of that same man. difference. You know, I mean, Let me tell you, I, I've done conventions. Felicia is, if not, always one of the biggest draws. She has an amazing fandom all over the planet. And, you know, rightly so. She's incredibly talented, talented and intelligent and well-spoken. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm just, it's been an honor to, to know her. I'm looking forward to working with her again. Yeah, no doubt. No yeah. Doubt. So uh, beyond that, okay, we, so this is starting up. Um, you know, I assume that you can shoot these things probably as a quicker shoot than, than a major TV series as well. I mean, as, as good as it looks, I think you could probably work you know a lot of scenes in really quickly and stuff like what was your time frame to shoot eight, eight we, episodes? we did uh we did three weeks in toronto three weeks in toronto and uh again you know um there was somewhat of a limited budget hmm. but uh jonathan was never about to move on for uh pivotal scenes unless we really got it right and uh he made sure of that and i think it shows on the final product um yeah, of course you're doing you're doing, you know, there's 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 less minutes of of to watch. There's eight, eight minute episodes, so um you know, they're a shorter format and in in a sense easier to do, but I don't think the story is sacrificed in any way. If anything with these webisodes, which is interesting for me, um is really they're so they have they they pack such a punch in a short amount of time. You really have to grab the viewer in a different way. We live in a a, a day and age where people marathon things absolutely you know, they do a whole season on netflix or what have you but i think it's good and it's important even with these webisodes because not everybody wants to do that you've got to you've got to end each episode wanting the audience to watch the next one whether it be right away or next week or what have you absolutely but uh there's a shorter format to do it so it, it's got to be bang on it's got to be it's got to be tight and it's got to be a very specific pace to it it makes me think of the old serials they used to have that you know would always precede uh, films back in the day where you'd have you know Five minutes of the Lone Ranger that every time every oh, Saturday yeah, you yeah, went, yeah. you know, you get one of those, and they shot them on, you know, it was it was tight budgets, but they were really strong characters and really well shot and stuff like this. And I think the webisodes, they're almost creating that kind of a thing. And as, as you say, value added to fans of a show as well, like with Battlestar, and every series does that now. Yeah. It's like go yeah. online and see this extra little bit. Yeah, um, it's a good point. Do you find since I, I it, you've been lucky, I think uh, would be maybe the right word for it, or just very very well placed that you came into the scene just as a Vancouver was becoming a really regular work location for, for actors in the sense that, you know, solid TV, <clears throat> TV market. And a lot of, you know, of course we are a mere three hours from Los Angeles, which is terribly convenient and yeah, everything else. But, yeah. uh, and, and I mean, I know enough people that have, you know, cut, cut their chops and as they say, it's like, Oh, it's another eerie or sci-fi show from Vancouver. Cause we seem to get a lot of those, yeah, but, we uh, do. but they do well. I mean, they, they get the numbers and they keep coming back. So they really you know, do. It's, um, I mean, have you done your time in the States as well as like, you know, what's, what's the plan? Like, what's your next, what's your next goal here? Um, well, just to touch on the first part of, you know, uh, what you were saying, uh, you know, I, I was very blessed to be a part of, uh, there's, there's, you know, Vancouver has a long, long history since the eighties, um, of, uh, you know, being an important part of the overall film business, especially in North America, specifically Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to think that right around when we did Battlestar, there was a definite shift and momentum that was happening. Battlestar being one of the first shows where a lot of the significant supporting cast were Canadian. Absolutely. There was an idea for years from American casting directors that maybe the Canadian talent was only capable of doing smaller guest roles 
smaller supporting roles, never regulars <clears throat> or lead roles. Mm. There was a shift with that show, and I l- like to think that we were a part of that. That happened right after that, and you regularly saw um, Vancouver actors, Canadian actors in particular, being cast in leading roles. Right. And you know the the, the sub- subsequent years after that. Uh, Many of the pilots were, were predominantly Canadian actors. And uh, that's something to really be proud of. It opened their eyes up to it. I think there was an idea or stereotype that they thought that we just didn't fit into. And, they, you know, I hear it time and time again, like on our show in Battlestar in particular with the, you know, the, um, the, the, the showrunners and the writers. They were like, there's so much talent here. It's really, really incredible. So, you know, that shift happened then. And uh, since then, you you know, th- this city is now producing its own projects. A lot of right. a lot of Canada is. Toronto is. You know, there's a lot of amazing programming that's coming out. Or, you know, Strange Empire, unfortunately, got canceled. But that's Canadian programming. Yeah. Uh, you know, Orphan Black is a perfect Orphan example. Orphan Black is a, is a great example. Perfect a example of a show you know. that doesn't have to focus so much that it's Canadian and that it's set in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't shy away from it either. Yeah. It's, a, it's a product that people can understand and relate to and are interested in around the world. Yeah. And that's what's happening. And uh, I'd like to think that we, we, you know, we were a part of that in the beginning. Well, continuum too. I mean, it's like you have Vancouver, Vancouver being Vancouver. Yeah. And, um, and you the know, thing every- is, if it's translated and it's playing in Singapore or Hong Kong or neighbor, everybody knows where Vancouver is Absolutely. now. It's like we don't have to, we they don't really have to do. hide and try to be New York or anybody else. Yeah. You know, and you look like, at, you know, 90% of that show is, uh, is, uh, is Canadian, yeah, absolutely. you know, from the creator down. Yeah, but it's done exceptionally well in the it really market. Is. So you know that's neat. Yeah. Um, how about yourself? What else you got? Uh, what else you got coming up? Um, uh, there's a couple of projects we're looking at right now. I've actually uh, recently been doing a, a little bit of writing, something I've talked about for too many years, okay. and uh, yeah. I can't guarantee that I'm any good at it. But I've got some ideas, and I've been doing this long enough, and I've read enough scripts that I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to, um, you know, make some of these uh, these projects a reality. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited about it. You should be. That yeah. sounds good. So uh, just to run through a couple of things, because I'm curious, it's like it always mentions, you know, we've seen it in enough of the shows and stuff. You're always kicking bags and things. So you train Muay Thai, right? Yes. And do you also train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Or are you strictly a, are you, are you strictly a stand-up guy? Or I, really a... I, I, stand-up is in my blood. Hmm. I, uh, you know, the very first martial art I did when I was a kid, I did it for a number of years. I was in judo. And, uh, you know, I used to love grappling as a kid, but I got away from it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of my friends, uh, I've got dear friends of mine who are some of the top uh, MMA athletes in the world, in particular, Josh Barnett, right. who's uh, one of the best heavyweights and had one of the longest careers. He's from the original guard. He's one of the few who's mm-hmm. left. Um, I roll every once in a while. Yeah. I get beat up. I get twisted. They bend my joints in ways that I don't like. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into it again. I'd like to uh, make it consistent, but, uh, you know, that's always a challenge in life is finding some balance with everything. Sure. Yeah. Do you train at a specific school? Any shout-outs in Vancouver you want to get for your... You know what's funny enough? Or? I just dreamt about my original crew. Crew is the uh, the term for sensei mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in Muay Thai in right. Thailand. And uh, Garvin Vernon is hands down one of the best striking coaches in Canada, if not anywhere. I mean, he's incredible. I've got a lot of... Uh, I've got friends of mine here who are... Professional MMA athletes, and they've worked with with uh, Garvin before, and they just they can't say enough about him. He's amazing. But I dreamt about him last night. I've been missing him for a while. I haven't seen him for two years. It's because I'm so in and out, in yeah, and out right. of town so much. But he really, really was the first to teach me Muay Thai, and uh, he's an exceptional coach. And he's one of those rare teachers who he smiles when he teaches you something. He gets so much enjoyment from you learning, and he's nice. completely selfless. 
he's selfless. He's got he's got so many tricks in his bag, but he, he wants to give them to you. If you're willing to learn and you're passionate about it and you're capable, he'll teach it to you. Nice. Yeah. And that's and he teaches in town then. Yeah, he does. Where uh, which is it? Private, well, originally or originally we were on Main Street back in the day. Dave Taft's gym. That's way back. Oh, downstairs there. Yeah, to, uh, sure. yeah, you know I, the one. I know the one. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking way back. Yeah. Uh, you know, twelve, thirteen years ago. Main Street Boxing. Yeah, yeah Main Street Boxing. And then uh, we moved to um, West Side Kickboxing, mm-hmm. um, which is behind the uh, the Royal Bank on Broadway and Granville. Enter by the alley underneath the Chinese plate restaurant. Right there, you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ray Del Rosario was his partner. Mm-hmm. Ray's great. He's also a very capable instructor himself. And uh, I trained there for a number of years. And then Garvin went on to um, work at another place. And uh, I can't remember the name. It may be Apex MMA. And that's up um, closer to Metrotown right. on uh, Kingsway. Oh, okay. That, and the, that's, the space is still there. I know the yeah, and that's, yeah. that's where I was doing privates with Garvin the last couple of times I saw him. So you actually trained at Westside? I mean, with, with your height and striking distance, you must have hit the wall every time you tried to round up a kick. It's a tight space. It's a really tight saying. space. It's, it a really, right. it's a good school, but it's a really tight space. Yeah, we were very spoiled at uh, Main Street, man. Main Street was a beautiful, beautiful gym. Yeah. It was challenging. But to be honest with you, my, the hardest training years I had, the most training that I was, the most consistent training that I was doing um, with Garvin was at Westside. Right. Yeah. And did that coincide probably around the time Battlestar was filming too? Is that? Uh, yeah, I was doing I was doing a lot of that training while I was. Yeah, because they had you Battlestar. doing a lot of that stuff from the show too. They, yeah, they liked you. They liked you with your shirt off and sweaty. It was. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. There was an opportunity for it. And, you know, to be honest with you, I was begging for it half the time. I mean, if I saw a scene that was any fight choreography or anything, right. I was like, please, please let me do this. Let me. Do you do your thing. own, or do, does your do, do a lot of your contracts not let you do? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm I'm doing you know, as much of my stunts as I can. Right. As much as they'll let me. If it's if it's a fight scene, nobody's yeah. doing anything for me. Right. Um, then again, when I was doing Dollhouse, there was some stuff that they 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 had very very uh, capable uh, stunt doubles do for us. And these guys were all ex you know martial arts champions. And right. They were fantastic. Some of them have gone on to huge careers. Sam, in particular, was a uh, double for me for a while. And Sam was a um, he is doubled for uh, for. Um, um, Hugh, Jack. <clears throat> Hugh Jackman, on so, all of the uh, all of the X Men oh, so and Wolverine projects. Yeah, like he's a fantastic sure. martial artist, and he's now uh, coordinating down in the states. Now, with this, with with uh, Rift World Chronicles giving you a chance to to stretch your comedic chops, um, um, do you see yourself? Do you want to? Do, do you see yourself? Uh, you know, is there a is there a sitcom waiting with your name on it? Do you think? Is there a sitcom? You know what? Would you like to do? Would you like to do more comedy? Because I, I, you know, I would definitely like to do more comedy. That's something I've always wanted to do. Anybody who knows me well has always told me that I should, you know, do more of it. Unfortunately, the industry has never really looked at me that way. Hmm. They've never given me that opportunity. Acting school, yes. Theater school, uh, you know, I do comedic scenes here and there, and right. I had a blast and uh, really, really enjoyed it. But. Uh, I'm hoping that the, the this project in particular will open some doors for me, and that it'll um, allow the powers that be in the industry to potentially give me those projects or right. consider me for them. It, would I do a sitcom? Man, if it was the right project, why not? I think it would be fantastic. I'd love to work that muscle. That would be an incredible challenge, and I'd be all for it. 
Nice. Well, look, thanks again for coming in. Thank you so much and, for having uh, me. And let's, we'll run through the details for listeners and, and viewers and stuff. Okay, this is riftworldchronicles.com is the website. That's right. And it's doing a countdown right now to when the show will air. It is. It's also going to be on CBC's Punchline website. Yeah. And if you really can't wait, I guess you can pay 35 bucks and... Uh, and download the entire first season of all eight episodes or whatever. It's, oh, I didn't awesome. realize that. That's, I, I, that's I great. I think I saw that somewhere on one of the sites as being available as well. But maybe that <laughs> still probably doesn't come out before, given the nature of the beast being that as soon as someone buys it, they'll probably post it. But, um, hey, the CBC can always use some money. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's throw some money their way. Fair enough, fair enough. And uh, and that's that kicking off. And then uh, and also, if they, what's the best place to follow your career if they want to just... Uh, it, I, I recently, uh, I got on Twitter. I think I've been on it a little over two years now. I waited a very long time, but now I'm, you know, I found my, uh, I sort of found my, my, um, my way with it and, uh, and, uh, I'm enjoying it now. So follow me on Twitter. All right. There you go. Once again, this is Province Entertainment Seen and Heard podcast and, uh, with me, Stuart Dardane, and thanks again, Tim O'Pennicott for coming in. Really enjoyed it and, uh, looking forward to seeing all eight, uh, episodes of the show. Let me know what you think, man. All right. Ciao. Thanks. You've been listening to Seen and Heard with Province music writer Stuart Durdane. Catch Stuart in the Province newspaper or online at theprovince.com.